God is good. And I don't know about anybody else, but I'm excited to be in the house of God this morning. I, I trust that you are as well. And uh, we are on part four of a series that we uh, have been, that I've called from here to there. And uh, um, I, I don't know about you, but I've been having a lot of fun with it. I actually, it's kind of interesting, kind of the idea. Well, let me just read the text and then a couple of thoughts that, that, well, I have a ton of thoughts. I don't even know why I even bother to say a couple of thoughts. But anyway, uh, where we've kind of, we're, we're the, the foundation of this series over the last four weeks has been from the scripture in Matthew chapter 17. And let me just also say for those of you that might be watching online or those of you that are here, if this is one of your first, if it is your first Sunday in this series, you might feel like you're coming in at the end. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I would encourage you to go back and, and listen to some of the other messages. I, they, build, they do build one upon the other, uh, but I think that it, uh, these also are kind of standalone, so, so you will get something and benefit from this uh, message as well. But I just would say this to you, you can't hear the word of God enough. You can't understand or know the exceeding great and precious promises enough, particularly in the day that we are in today. As I mentioned earlier, we live in a day that will suck the strength out of you. It will take the hope out of you. It will take the life out of you, the joy out of you. If, if, if you are spending more time absorbing the news than you are the good news, then you're going to be at a deficit in this life, I think. And so it's so valuable and so important to continue to hear and understand the word of God uh, in a way that would bring uh, peace and strength into your heart and life. Jesus said, I, I will give peace to those whose mind is stayed on me. Keep our mind on CNN and keep our mind on whatever else. We keep our mind on all kinds of other things. We're going to be in fear. We're going to be, we're going to be, you know, worried about everything. Doesn't mean that we don't pay attention. It means that we pay more attention to God than we do the things that are going on around us. Amen. Praise the Lord. So Matthew chapter 17 says this, the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? Speaking of an evil spirit. And Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. Other translations say, because of your unbelief, a decision that you have made to not believe in the strength or power that I have given to you. He said, truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there. And that's where this series title comes from, from here to there. He said, you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing, everybody say nothing. nothing, nothing will be impossible. Now, we've spent over the last three weeks talking about some of the backstory of, of, of what brought Jesus to this point. A couple of things that I want to remind you of is that Jesus had reached a point where he expected his disciples to be able to handle some things, and they, they, they couldn't handle some things. They couldn't take care of the, the situation, and obviously from reading, if you would read the entire chapter, you would find that Jesus fully expected and anticipated that they would deal with this problem, and they couldn't, which, which caused Jesus to arrive at that point where he said, the reason you couldn't do this is because you didn't have enough faith. And I don't say that condemningly. I don't say that to, to try to belittle anybody or to challenge anybody. That's just the fact of what Jesus was saying here. You don't have enough faith. Well, the good thing about that is that the Bible teaches us that our faith can grow, that our faith can get bigger, that our faith starts out as, as a seed. And, and so we've talked about some different things. We talked about maybe faith. Maybe faith is really hope. Maybe faith is, is, is when we hear the word maybe, we tend to think, we've been conditioned to think that maybe means probably not. But I want to, this, this word has become so valuable to me. I've, I've approached so many situations, it's like, maybe. Maybe. 
Maybe God, maybe, maybe, and that just allows me to have hope. And the reason there's a picture of a thermostat is that hope is your goal setter. Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 that faith is the substance. Faith puts substance or confidence into the thing that you have hope for. That's why this life and, and the enemy, that's why all of these things are, are trying to sap your hope, trying to make you hopeless. Or people say, don't expect too much because you'll just be disappointed. Well, when it comes to God, we can expect a lot. I believe with all of my heart, we can expect a lot. And so we talked about maybe faith. And then, and, and quite honestly, it's sort of interesting to me. I was just realizing it this week. I knew what the first message was going to be. I was going to talk about maybe faith where I was going to go. I knew all of those things. Next week, we'll, we'll finish this series. And I'm going to call the title of it for me is Why Not? Why Not? But I wasn't sure, which is really the object lesson of this entire series. Uh, I wasn't sure. I was here, and I knew I was going there, but I wasn't sure how I was, how I was, how I was going to get there. And last uh, two weeks ago, we talked about baby faith. And, and, and I want to encourage you again, and we'll talk a little bit more about it this morning. Do not skip this step of baby faith. Do not skip this step of thinking that things are too small to bring to God. Because they're not. It is important that we bring everything to him because it is those small steps of faith, those small steps of obedience. There is great value in little steps. There's great value in bringing seemingly small, insignificant little things to God because that's what develops and grows and strengthens your faith. And then we talked about faith that moves us from here to there. We get caught up in the mountain. We get caught up in asking God to, to, to we get caught up in uh, understanding the principles of prayer. How do we get God to change things? Move my mountain. But really, faith that moves us from here to there, I'm looking for a faith that moves us, a faith that challenges us. And it's one thing to identify a mountain as something that is impossible, but I, wanna, I want you to look in the mirror and say, and realize that sometimes you and I, we are the mountain that needs to move. You and I are the mountain that needs to move. Our perception and what we think and what we've been taught and what we've been conditioned to believe. There are times that you and I are the mountain that needs to move. I said this last week that sometimes being a, there's a difference between being a person of faith and actually living the disciples, living the steps of faith. There's a difference between saying that you have faith or that you're a person of faith and actually living out a life of faith. Somebody said this, I, I read this this week, somebody sent it to me. We really can change the country and the world for good if we could just get Christians to live like Christians. Amen. Let me say that to this side over here. <laughs> we really could change the country and the world for good if we could just get Christians to live like Christians. Look at the person next to say, he's talking about you. He's talking about you and me. If we could just get Christians to act like Christians, uh, you know, chip off, uh, chip off the old block. God is the block. We are his children. <laughs> and so do you have a faith that is moving you? Do you have a faith that is challenging you? Do you have a faith that you're considering or that you're consulting when it comes to the word of God? And how you do the things that you might do. Listen to this in James chapter 2. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without your deeds and I will show you my faith by my de deeds. 
We, got, we get kind of hung up in this whole thing of works that I've got to work to be good enough. I've got to do kind of a, a lot of things. And, and, and we have at times thrown out the whole idea that we need to become something, that we need to do something so that we don't slip over into, into this idea of works for righteousness. But don't use that as an excuse to sit on your blessed assurance and never do anything. You can come to church. You can sound like a Christian, look like a Christian, but if it doesn't translate to anything outside the four walls of this church, then what good is it to anybody else? If you got every prayer that you ever prayed answered, how many other people besides you and your family would benefit from that? He went on in James chapter 2, verse 26, the body, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So what is, what is it that is challenging our faith? Is my faith, my belief in God, my, my understanding of the word of God challenging me in where I am right now? Because where you are is where you are. You cannot be anywhere other than where you are right now, but God has a there for you. So I want to read a, 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 a story in a sense, something that Jesus happened, it happened in Jesus' ministry and, and pull a few lessons from that before we get into why not next week. In Luke chapter 5, we're, we're given a, a story, great story, Luke chapter 5, verse 17. It happened on a certain day as he, Jesus, was teaching uh, that, there were, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law who were sitting by. They'd come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And notice this, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Power of God was in this room, and there was a bunch of other people, and there were some religious people there. There were some doctors of the law and Pharisees. The only reason that they were there, they were totally unaware that God was in that room. They were totally unaware that there was healing power in that room. They were totally uh, unaware that anything else was there. And the reason they were unaware is because they came with the intent of trying to catch Jesus saying something that they could accuse him about. We have those people all the time. In your life, they're in my life. They're just waiting for you to step out of line. They're just waiting for you to say something. They're just waiting for you to do something. And those were the people that were there. And those people did not even recognize God moving in the place that they were. So the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before Jesus or before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the rooftop and they let him down on his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. Now, there's all kinds of things that make me question this story and what was going on and all of the things. I don't think that the person, the owner of the house asked anybody to come in and give him a skylight, but the people were, were ready to do that. Amen. I, I don't, you know... We're not given a lot of detail in this story. We're not given a lot of detail. And, and so let me just sort of maybe fill in some blanks. Hey, maybe it happened sort of like this because I don't know. The effort that was required, think about this, to go to the man's house and to try to convince him that, that hey, there's this guy named Jesus now, we don't know how this person, if he was born uh, with the condition of being paralyzed, we don't know if he had some kind of an accident or a, a, a war or a battle or a fight, but somehow he was paralyzed. So what would it take to take a person who was in that condition and try to convince them 
restore their hope, their maybe faith, because this guy had no maybe faith. This guy probably had no hope at all. There was a lot of effort just in convincing the guy to get out of the, the house or wherever he was, plus then pick him up on a, on a, on a, a mattress or something and, and drag him. How far did they have to go from wherever this guy was to where Jesus was? How much work and effort navigating perhaps crowds and all kinds of other things that were going on? So they had to argue with the guy to get him out of wherever he was. They had to carry him where it was. And then finally, when he gets to the house, and, and, and maybe the guy's laying there, like some of you would be like, this is stupid. I can't even believe it. Why would I even let you guys do this? I, and then they get there, and there's too many people in the house. They can't get in the house. That guy, if he was you and me, he'd be like, I told you. Told you there was no reason for us to go. Now we can't even get. And it's just another disappointment for this guy. Another disappointment that maybe, 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 only to find out that there's no way to get inside of the house. And I think about this guy. Another disappointment in his life. He had no, probably no hope. People in that, it's, it's tough anytime to be paralyzed, obviously. But in that day, you, <laughs> there, was, there wasn't much help at all. If anything, you were a burden to society. You were a burden to life. You were a burden to your family. I'm sure he felt that. I would think he felt that. And, and really... There's always value in human life. There's always value in those things. But he would be somebody that would be considered unvaluable, small, insignificant. Because he didn't, he couldn't really maybe perhaps, and again, I'm, 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 I'm filling in blanks that may or may not be there. Because again, we're not given the details. But I think something that is important for you and I to realize, again, it goes back to baby faith, that we often don't bring things that we think are insignificant to Jesus. We, bring, we don't want to bring little things. We'll bring the little things, the small things, the insignificant things. We'll bring those to our family, to our friends. We'll bring them to social media. We'll bring those things to the bar. We'll bring those things to sleep with us. They'll keep us awake all night long. But we don't bring them to Jesus. And I think one of the reasons that we don't bring them to Jesus is we're, because we're convinced that he doesn't care. We're convinced that, that he's got bigger things to worry about or the enemy that is sitting at our table is reminding us of the things that perhaps we've done wrong, that there's no reason that Jesus would help you. No reason at all. And so, James chapter one says this, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Has anybody had opportunity? Has anybody had troubles come their way lately? It might be the first time you've laughed because of the troubles that have come your way. James says you're to put this over in the joy column. Everything you've learned says don't put it in the joy column because there's nothing joyful about it. God is saying, I want you to think differently about this. I want you to take the trouble that you're experiencing, the, the trial that you're going through, uh, the, the difficulty that you're facing, the impossible moment that, it, that seems bigger than you. I want you to take it out of the negative column and put it into the joy column. Count it joy. Uh, do an accounting measure. Count it joy. Verse 3, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. You need to understand that, that the mountain, the problem, the obstacle, the difficulty, that is an opportunity for you to grow. That is an opportunity for you to take a step. That is an opportunity to begin that process of moving from here to there. You know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete needing 
nothing. Sometimes the obstacle that you're facing is nothing more than an opportunity in disguise. It is an opportunity for you to get stronger. It is an opportunity for God to be God in your life. And instead of wondering, God, where are you? When you give God a chance, he will show you where he is. And he is right there with you. So what have you tried before that maybe you've given up on? What is it that you thought, no, it's too big of an obstacle, it's too difficult. Here are these guys, they're bringing the, bring, him, bring him to the house and they can't get into the house. And what is it that maybe you've given, maybe you've given up on a better marriage or you've, been give, you've given up on ever getting ahead of the eight ball financially? What is it that maybe you've given up on? You see, we don't bring insignificant things to Jesus because we're not convinced that he cares. But I believe that if it matters to you, it matters to him. 1 Peter 5, 7, it says that we are to cast all of our care, every single one of them. We cast all of our care on him. Why do we cast our care on the Lord? Because he cares for you. Remember what Jesus taught us. He's, you know, he, he's concerned about the, the sparrows. He's concerned about all of these other things. He knows the, the number of hair upon our head. He, he's so intimately aware of everything that concerns us. And he cares. And he invites you to cast every worry, every anxiety, every care on him because of his love for us, because of his care for us. So think of all the things that have happened in this guy's, the, the, the paralyzed man's existence. Finally, an opportunity that maybe God can do something and the way is blocked. He can't get in. It's too hard. It's too big. Now, those four guys, they could have been like, well, we gave it our best shot. We tried. We tried. But apparently, you know, God's not in it. Apparently, it's going to be too hard. Apparently, it's impossible. I, pre I appreciate that these guys, how many of you like to have four friends like that? Man, they're just not going to give up. They're going to keep encouraging you. They're going to keep doing things. And so I, I think it's an illustration. How many of you have ever heard this? God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Anyone? We get excited. Yeah, amen. We'll sing about it. We'll, but when it comes to life, are we living that? You see, we assume that because the front door is closed, then there's no other way in. We think that the front door is the only way. We think that there are certain things that's the only way. See, we've gone to work already. We've done the math. We've done the calculations. We, we know what the details are. We know what it's going to take and what God has to do to get me from here to there. And sometimes that first step, it seems like the way is blocked. It seems like there is. Now, the front door was a way, but it's not the only way. It's not the only way. There's always more than, I, I believe, always more than one way <clears throat> With God, you know, uh, for some of you, you need to know that your job is not your only source. Let me say that again. Your job is not your source. God is. I said God is. It is a way of income. It is a way of your source. Do you know Google's not the only way for wisdom? Now, we go to it, and I appreciate it. There are times I have to go to a different search engine because Google lies to me. <laughs> Google doesn't tell me what I want to know. It tells me what it wants, to, wants me to know. Just a thought. Have you ever heard of duck, duck, go? That's a good one. Sometimes you need to get outside of that way and go to a different way. And so I've left preaching and gone to meddling just a little bit, but it might be good for you anyway. There's always more than one way. It's not the, Google isn't the source. The internet isn't the source of wisdom. God is. The Holy Spirit is. He said he'll show you things to come. 
You have more than one way. You have more than one source. Just because you can't see a way doesn't mean that there isn't a way or there's a way that doesn't, that, that exists. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So what is it that you've deemed as impossible because the way was blocked? Let me put it a little bit differently to you this morning. When I present this card to you, and I ask you to write down four things that you're believing God to change or to do. And you write down those four things. What is it that stops you? You're about to write it down. You say, well, that's stupid. I've tried that before and it didn't work. I, you know, I, why is it stopping you? Is it because you're disappointed? Is it because you've tried before and it hasn't happened? Is it because you think it's too big or you think it's too small? Why? Challenge yourself over the next couple of weeks. What prevents me from writing down the biggest thing in my heart? That is your hope. That is your maybe faith. That is your thermostat. That is your goal setter. Why am I afraid to write it down? Why am I afraid to bring it to God? Do I think he doesn't care? Do I think it's too big? Do I think it's too selfish? Do I think it's, why do you think what you think? If God says, I can do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think, why are you trying to out-argue God? It's a lot better preaching and teaching, Pastor Brian, than what you're <laughs> responding to. You know, here's the thing. It might cost you something to do that. When you write it down, it's, it, it will cost you. When I wrote down those five things, raise a million dollars. If I would have known how ridiculous that sounds when we're facing the potential of World War III, gas prices as high as they've ever been, inflation running at a rate that it's ever been before, and everybody's afraid of everything else. You know what that is? That's an obstacle. I wanted, I wanted to back off because I don't want to put people, pre, pre, I hate to put pressure on people. I often think if God can't do it, why am I trying to do it? <laughs> but there's a confidence in my heart. I know this is the right time, the right season to do this. I believe that with all of my heart. And this is an opportunity for God to be God. Can you believe the audacity of that church with everything that's going on? They're trying to raise a million dollars. How important is whatever it is? How important is a better marriage to you? How important is a better life to you? How important are these? Are you willing to put in a little bit of effort and a little bit of work and a little bit of discomfort? We talked about it last week. When you step out in faith, there is a risk and there is a challenge and there is work in believing. It is the fight of faith. Carrying on in this story, Luke chapter 5, verse 20. When he saw their faith, when Jesus saw the faith of the four people, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven you. Here they lower this guy down. They rip off the roof. Stuff's falling down. Who knows what all's in, whatever it is that they were ripping the roof off of. Think about that. How long did it take to rip a hole in the roof big enough to drop a guy down? I don't think they brought ropes with them because they weren't anticipating a crowd and they weren't anticipating they could get into the building. They thought they were going to be able to get there. They tie a bunch of robes together, a bunch of our, their belts to lower the, ah, there was some resourcefulness. There was some, there was some don't give up in them. How did they get him to Jesus? They got him down there and here's what Jesus said. Your sins are forgiven. I'd be like, wait, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. Thank you for that. But that's not why I'm here. I want you to heal me. I want you to, I want you to take care of the paralysis that's in my body. I, I didn't ask you to forgive my sins. I didn't even know I needed my sins forgiven. <laughs> he 
You see, this is, this is why some of us stay stuck. And this is why some of us don't move from here to there. It's because we always want God to change stuff on the outside. We want God, God, change my spouse. God, change my boss. God, change my job. And sometimes, in fact, I'll say that almost all of the time, God wants to do something in here before he ever does anything out there. And the reason you're still stuck here is because you're waiting for God to change all those things out there. And God says, if you'll just adjust your thinking, if you'll just adjust your believing, if you'll just make some adjustments in your attitude, then you can take a step. Then you will see some, some things move out of, your, out of your way, out of your path. So he saw their faith and he said, your sins are forgiven. And then we get the haters. Everybody say haters. This is the enemy that wants to sit at your table. Verse 21, the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? You will always have people. In fact, I think this is part of the reason that Paul said, if you have faith, keep it between yourself and God. When you're asking God and believing God, sometimes it's okay. Go to a couple of people that you trust. When we pray the prayer of agreement together, that's one thing. Because you'll always have people that are trying to talk you out of it. You will always have people that are trying to remind you of all the reasons that it can't or that it shouldn't. Or these doctors of the law and Pharisees who are telling you, well, that's wrong to listen to that person. Or you shouldn't do that or you shouldn't believe that. Here's the thing. Faith, Hebrews 11, 1, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance and the evidence, the confidence and the assurance of what I don't presently see. We understand that, right? So when you are in a position of faith and believing God for something, you might be able to see it. You can, that's what hope is. It is the goal center. That's what I'm pursuing. That's the there for me. That's where I am headed. But I will guarantee you that other people don't see you're there. Other people don't see what you see. They don't see what you see with the eye of hope. They don't see what you see with the eye of faith. And that's the reason that they're going to criticize. That's the reason that they're going to condemn. That's the reason that they're going to try to talk you out of what it is that you are believing God for. You'll be believing God for a better marriage and there'll be people around you because you see a better marriage. And there's people around you saying, you should have left that loser a long time ago. You're believing that they're out of addiction and, and, and they're telling you or reminding you they've been drunk for 20 years. You're believing God to get out of debt and, 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 and there's somebody in your family, somebody somewhere that's saying you'll always be behind the eight ball. Grandpa was behind the eight ball. This family's never had money. All of those reasons that you can't have. They don't see what you see. They don't see the image that God by his word has placed on the inside of your life. So it says, when Jesus saw their faith, and I've said everything that I've said, I've tried to illustrate to you the, the effort. I've tried to illustrate to you the disappointment. I've tried to illustrate some of these things to you to get you to this point right here. When he saw their faith. You need to understand this, and you need to know this. The faith that got the man to Jesus was not going to be the faith that would carry that man from where he was to where God wanted him to be. The faith that brought you and me to here is not going to be the faith that moves you to there. I'm going to say that again. The faith that brought you here will not be the faith that moves you to there. Your faith is going to have to grow. 
And your faith is going to have to develop. Your faith will be tested and your faith will be tried, but it will be tested and tried to build endurance or to build strength and patience into your life. You need those steps, those baby steps, those seemingly small insignificant steps or those steps that seem to be too hard or too, too, too big for you. Growth and development of your faith happens when you exercise your faith. You know, when you write four things down on this card, that's a step of faith. It might seem too big. It might seem too hard. When you, uh, when you consider this card, you start to fill it out. You have all the reasons why not. You have other people saying all the reasons why not. Some of you come with the attitude, oh, the church, oh, I just want my money. All of, those, all of those things that you've heard people say, they start filtering through your mind as reasons why you can't. Jesus is about to ask this guy to bring, make the biggest step of his life that he, has ever, that he has ever stepped into. Notice what he says. Luke 5, 24. But that you may know, he's talking to the, the religious people, so that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. In other words, that when I do something, I start on the inside. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. He was basically saying to this guy, as proof that I've worked in you, as proof that I've done something in you, I want you now to stand up, and I want you to pick up your bed, and I want you to go home as proof that I've worked on the inside of your life. To get up. <laughs> Can you imagine what was going through the guy's head? His thinking? What are you talking about, Jesus? I've been paralyzed. I've been laying on this thing forever. Did you not see the hole in the roof? Did you not see these people lower me down? It's not because I'm too lazy to get up. I cannot get up. Had he gone with what he thought, had he gone with what he believed, had he gone with what the experts were saying, had he gone with what he believed in his choice, he'd have been laying on that mat until the day he died. Proverbs 3 tells us to, 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 to in all of our ways, get, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your ways acknowledge him. Are we going to trust in our experience or are we going to trust in what God said? Are we going to trust in what God has done? He said, get up. This makes no sense. But the faith that brought him here was not going to be able to carry him to that point. He needed to exchange the faith that brought him here for the faith that would carry him all the way through. My faith will carry you so far. My encouraging and the encouraging of your friends, the encouraging of other people, which is why you need to be around other people, why small groups are so important, because iron sharpens iron. It is good to be, there's plenty of discourages in your life. I hate it when they come into the church, because, and I hope that the word of God will encourage and exchange the encouraging for the discouraging. And then he said this, pick up the mat. You might think, well, why would he ask Jesus to do that? Or why would Jesus ask him to do that? He doesn't need it anymore. Matt was just a representation of his sickness, of his inability, of his paralysis. The mat would eventually become his testimony so that when people would say, why are you carrying that mat around? He'd say, well, that was a picture of my brokenness, but now God has made me whole. He has healed me. He did something on the inside of me and he did something on the outside of me to, so that, he could, so that people, could, people could know how good that God is. And then he said, go home, which I think is really important. We say this, we're a family church teaching people to reach their world. Home is the place that people know you the best. I used to have a coffee cup, finally broke. I think maybe Shelly broke it, but no, she didn't. <laughs> it said, home is where you can scratch where it itches. 
My brother gave it to me. I collect coffee cups. Home is where you can, home is where people know you. Home is where people know you the best. They've heard you complain and whine and groan and, and, and moan about everything in life. Your job, people know you. And, and, and when you quit complaining about your job or the boss and you go to work, as, as Paul said, you go to work with the attitude that I'm, I'm not working for man, I'm working as if Jesus is my boss, I'm giving it my best efforts. When that's the attitude that you go with, people are going to notice and you can point back to the transformation that God has brought into your life. Let me just say this. At some point, Christians, at some point, God is going to ask you to show what he has done in your life. At some point, God wants you to display his grace and his mercy. The reason that we know God is a healer as a deliverer, as the one who sets free, is because it is God's great desire to heal and to deliver and to set free. He wants to be and to do those things. He wants to heal you, and he wants to bless you, and he wants to prosper you. He wants to do those things, but he wants to define a process in your life that causes the life of Christ that's on the inside to be seen on the outside. He's not going to change things on the outside until things change on the inside. And if I could for just a moment, Everything that we see in this story, and again, why I tried to illustrate some of the drama, the disappointment, and the labor that went, these people went through. They took something that probably for a lot of people, a person that was insignificant, that really had no value, and they brought that to Jesus. And the reason that I believe that they did is because they cared about the guy. They cared about this person. They loved this person. They wanted the best for this person, and they had maybe faith. Hey, maybe Maybe their why, their why was worth the effort. Their why of love and compassion for the man was worth the risk of ripping the guy's house apart. The why of the person was worth the risk of what it would take to actually bring that person to Jesus. And while it was important for that person to eventually the man that was paralyzed, to eventually let go of the faith of others and develop his own faith and finally get up. When your why, when my why matches the why of God, powerful things are going to happen. Tremendous things are going to happen in your family. Tremendous things, powerful things will happen in your life. Our why becomes worth the effort and the risk and the weight and everything else that has to happen. Years ago, when we were building this building and, and we were kind of going through the plans of, of the building and it's, I wish I had more time to go through some of these similarities that I see. There are people who were mad at me for whatever reason and, and a lot of times they're just, people are in pain about one thing and they're looking for some place to deposit the reason, the excuse, and so I became the scapegoat, I guess. But anyway, uh, and not that I don't ever do things that uh, my ability to communicate sometimes is not as good as I think that it is, and sometimes people mishear things, and then other people muddy the water and all kinds of things. And so a couple of people that were mad at me, and they were saying that this building of the, this building was all about vanity, that it was my, you know, I just wanted a big church, I want all of those things, and I'll just be honest with you, I don't want that. <laughs> My favorite Joy Christian Center was the one when we first came in here. We had between 150 and 250 people. Small little room, two services. Those were my favorite. That was my favorite Joy Christian Center. 
but people like this church and they keep coming. They like what's going on and they keep coming. People are valuable to God. The why, the why is worth the effort. It is worth the haters. It is worth those things. People were, people were essentially questioning my why. Why are you doing this? And it hurt. It bothered me. Because there's people that knew me, I thought knew me well. And, and, and I could go on and on. The only thing I want to say about that is this building is here. It's, almost, it's going to be paid for. And those people aren't. God has a way. And if you're willing to fight, if you're willing to not give up, if you're willing to persevere, God will bring you from here to there. First Thessalonians says this in chapter 3. Or chapter 1, verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren. That's my heart. I'm so thankful for you. So thankful for this church. So thankful for what we represent and have for 30 plus years. As it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, your faith grows. You might be thinking this morning, well, how in the world? I, I feel like I have such, I don't even have mustard-sized faith. Guess mustard seed size. I don't even have small, weak faith. Guess what? Your faith can grow. And it says, your faith can grow exceedingly. Now, you might think, I don't know about that. Let me just remind you, maybe, maybe, maybe we can be talking about your faith. Maybe your faith can grow. Maybe you can become so firm in what you believe. He goes on and says, your faith grows exceedingly. How did they know that? And the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. Your faith shows up in your living. Your faith shows up in your life. Your faith shows up in the way that you love other people. Your why is, is strongly defined. Praise God. Hallelujah. I managed to cram my 30-minute message into 45 minutes. I apologize, kind of, sorry, not sorry. Would you please stand with me this morning? How many of you are ready to run, take a step, move out? You're tired. You're tired of the same old, same old. You're tired of walking around the mountain. You're tired of moaning and groaning. Anyone in here that's tired of just that? How many of you are tired of other people moaning and groaning and complaining? And they're sitting next to you. Would you just, with a moment, just, just lift your hands to Jesus. What is it that's impossible to you? What have you had given up to you, given up? What is it that, that the front door was closed, but now you're seeing that, hey, maybe there's a way. I want you to think about it. I want you to see it. I want you to name it. I want you to begin to proclaim over it that you are going to move and that you're going to move from here to there. You're exchanging the faith that brought you here, and you are now drawing a faith. You're picking up a faith. There's hope that's springing up in your heart and in your life, and so Jesus, we cast our care on you. We cast our care on you today because we know that you care for us. We know that you love us. And Father, I pray that in this congregation, our faith would grow exceedingly, that the limitations that we have put upon our thinking, that we have put upon our believing would be removed and that the breakthrough wouldn't be a breakthrough out there, but it would be a breakthrough on the inside, a breakthrough in our thinking, a breakthrough in our believing, a breakthrough in some portion of something that is on the inside that will in turn trigger breakthroughs on the outside. Because Father, this day and this, this central ministry 
Minnesota needs people of faith, people of confidence, people of assurance, people that allow their faith to operate in their love, that allow their faith to operate in their hope and in their joy, that wherever they go, they bring seeds of life, they bring seeds of joy, they bring the greatness of the glory of God to the scene and situation where they find themselves. And so, God, we give you praise this morning. We exalt you today. And, Father, we lay aside the weight. We lay aside the hindrances. We lay aside the mindset. And we begin to run. We begin to step out. I know that you don't give us the next step till we take the first step. But, Father, there's people in this room that are today saying, I'm ready. I'm willing to take a step. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to step out in believing. And so, Father, I give you praise and glory this morning for that shift that is happening in this congregation, that shift that is happening in the hearts and the people that are here this morning. I thank you for those that are online. I thank you that even right now in their living rooms, in their kitchens, wherever it might be, I thank you that you're touching them. I thank you that you are not limited to space, that you are everywhere all the time. And Father, your greatness knows no bounds for you are El Shaddai. You are the God who's more than enough. And so it is to you, Father, that we humbly come before you and we lay down our cares. We lay down our worries. We lay down the anxieties of our life and we pick up your peace because we know that you're working on our behalf. We know that you're working all things out for our good. And so we thank you for that. We thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, let's give Jesus one shout of praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise God. You may be dismissed this morning. Have an awesome Sunday. Thank you for being here today. God bless you.